0: Welcome to another episode of the Interjections podcast, subtitled The Undiscovered Decade. Uh, We're here to talk about the movies of the 1990s. And now we're in November 1991, where we're uh, talking about a, I would say, undersung film, maybe just kind of uh, overshadowed by Goodfellas and a a slate of gangster films over the course of the last few years, Uh,
1: Billy Bathgate. Right, um, it's a Robert Benton gangster drama, which uh, takes a fictional character, but I guess it's a composite of four different people that might've been around that era from what I saw. And is um kind of like the protege of Dutch Schultz, this uh, infamous gangster in uh, Undango, New York. Am I pronouncing that right? I'm not sure.
0: I believe so. There's a bunch of interesting Native American towns like Undango, Oswego. I think it's just one of those. I, I'd never yeah. heard of it, but it could be a
1: fictional version of those as well. I didn't, right. I didn't do that. <sighs> so um, it's basically his coming of age story interspliced with some of uh, kind of Dutch Schultz's fall from grace. This is right before the end, uh, <clears throat> right before his assassination. Not that that's a spoiler or anything. Yeah, but uh, all, it's called. Got um, got lacked. It's, it, it's kind of. I first told in non-linear form with a uh, a flash forward to him as an errand boy for Dutch Schultz, which introduces him to uh, this, this woman who's kind of a, a black widow of the group, this uh, Drew Preston, played by Nicole Kidman. I think um, one of her first acting roles shortly after bmx bandits it's
0: certainly her first big american role she had been in uh was it far and away or it was days of thunder because we talked and, about um, dead evening. calm and, but that and, was an australian uh, film her two films with tom cruise bookend this her days of mm-hmm. thunder uh, appearance so that was kind of the first thing that american audiences saw but this was her breakout role supposedly
1: right uh she got nominated for a golden globe if i recall
0: i guess that's why they say breakout
1: right so uh yeah basically this is uh weirdly enough one of the most incoherently choppy movies we've had to watch for the podcast because i feel like a lot of the, the substance and fat was cut out of this thing because characters materialize they're given no backstories and we never learn anything about them yeah. um even yeah, the minutes going billy bathgate a little bit
2: yeah
1: even uh Everybody well you learn about characters through expository dialogue for instance at the beginning the movie starts off with uh Billy becomes a stowaway on this um this like tugboat barge <laughs> where a uh, Duck Schultz is um kind of like harassing and beating up one of his uh, his underlings played by Bruce Willis in an extended cameo Yeah, and, didn't, know uh, I that. Didn't, yeah. Know,
0: didn't know he was going to be in it. I knew it as the Dustin yeah. Hoffman and Cole Kidman movie
1: it, it really took me out of it. He's really miscast. Um, but uh, as he's talking to Dutch Schultz, he's like, look, I run for you, the numbers, the beer, the rackets. And it's like, okay, yeah, we know who Dutch Schultz is. I get it, okay, cool. Um, so you can tell this is kind of uh, Tom Stoppard's way of sprinkling in some biographical information since he's a playwright. So it's a, a tell don't show kind of a thing.
0: Mm, yeah here's the interesting thing about that too lauren dean who plays this uh upstart that that comes on the boat it's completely silent as he arrives we don't know what's going on they could be smuggling beer or or just transporting or i thought at first maybe it's like his origin where he's from ireland and just uh, jumping on the boat to get i, to I the don't game. know I like, right really right funny. before they get
3: on the boat like they they they, they take bruce willis's character and like come on you're coming with us it's like yeah, they're going on a boat, like is, they're gangsters. You should know where this is going, but yeah. they're going to be swimming so, with the fishes.
4: It was,
0: point of that, too, was that he just kind of stands there and watches all this telling. So you don't know what he's doing there. That's the whole he does, movie. He
4: does that throughout everything now. And it's almost like Billy Bathgate Billy is just supposed to be the audience. He's wandering, wandering through the mafia underworld of the 1930s.
1: He's passively reactive, he just eavesdrops on every conversation. Yeah.
4: He, and then gets he, really
1: fucking angry at the end. Yeah, it's 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 a completely useless, nondescript cipher of a character.
0: It would have been better if Stoppard had taken his previous project, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, it, and kind of adapted it in a mafia world. You know, just had one person who's always there at all these famous moments of
1: mafia history. Yeah, like a
4: Zealot-type
1: character maybe? Yeah, exactly.
4: It, it felt like um, you know, Goodfellas in the 30s, but minus the voiceover. That was not nearly as like, good as that. Right. No, but I mean... But, but what I'm saying is, like... And I was telling Tristan this when we watched it. Um, as far as, like, character development and stuff, like... What... You, we got, you get what you sign up for when, when you watch this movie. It's like a, a... It's a mobster movie. To the point where, like, I was having trouble keeping track of the names because everyone was the same. Everyone yeah. was just... Angry Irving and doing like terrible yeah. Italian accents, and it was just like I I don't know, Um like Irving and well, I didn't even know that this was semi historical until like Lucky Luciano pops up, and you're like, oh, Stanley uh, Tucci was everybody else, yeah. It had wait, wait, Tristan. What did you what did you say that movie had?
0: That touch of you know, slipping in there. Right. Uh, yeah, no. He, it's funny he had two he, cameos in our yeah, uh, podcast. He caught me off
3: guard, uh, Stanley Tucci. A when quick change. Like, yeah,
0: I had heard he was in it, but as, I didn't know it was. As
3: Lucky Luciano.
0: Yeah, the fact that he was Luciano was was what I didn't know. Yeah. So, uh, Steve Buscemi also has his appearance on our podcast. He's Irving, right? Again, in sort of a gangster role, but a much more significant role.
4: Yeah, as Irving. But I, my my head canon right now is that you know, because this movie came out in 91.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Buscemi's playing like an underling, but it takes He's place in 1935.
0: 30, maybe maybe almost 30.
4: Yeah, and then, you know, eventually he becomes Nucky Thompson in Boardwalk Empire in, in the mid-2000s. What is that, what is that 2010? 2010, 2010. Yeah. Yeah. So, chronologically speaking, um, since that takes place in the 20s, uh,
0: this is 1935 when it ends,
4: board. for sure. What's that? It's
0: 1935 when it ends, for sure.
4: Right. No, but, you know, old Steve Buscemi could chronologically, theoretically be young Steve Buscemi's father.
0: Or Bobby or whatever the kid's yeah, name is. born an
3: illegitimate child. He did sleep around with a lot of hookers. Yeah, this is the one with a the lot one of the record girls. player. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Her son.
4: But, I don't know. It's <laughs> funny. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I liked him too. I mean, he's not showy like he is in some Coen Brother movies later. Um, Obviously, he's subdued in Big Lebowski, but this shows his penchant for just like disappearing into the scenery when he needs to, but coming out when he needs to show up. I liked when he was trying to offer Bruce Willis something because he knows he's dead. He's like, I can give you a cigarette. I don't know. I feel bad, but this is what I do.
4: He's very much like the nice guy (laughs) henchman. Yeah, he's just like I'm. Just here for the the money, and I'm like I'm gonna try to make your suffering is, you know, less less suffering.
0: Yeah. yeah, he also he also towards the end, he and the other guy know they're probably doomed. There's no reason for them to leave. Same as Stephen Hill. Stephen Hill tries to get. Stephen Hill is the, the best part of, part of the movie. movie. Yeah, Stephen Hill was my favorite. Otto, he's yeah. he's like
1: the um consigliere, I think.
0: Yeah, that's what you would say uh and it's for people that might know who not know who stephen hill is if you ever watched law and order he ended up being the uh ada for the first 10 seasons so that's where you might have seen him but he was a character actor in a couple of films in the 50s and 60s and did a couple of tv shows he's in the original mission impossible for the first season um but yeah he had all the best lines
3: he had the best written role (laughs) He's been acting the longest, so he should get the, the best lines. Yeah.
0: This is this is this is why I wore this, because he told the kid, you gotta wear your best. You, you embarrass me with what you're wearing.
3: Yeah. I enjoy embarrassing. I wore, this guy. I wore a shirt. The movie
1: has a weird, disingenuous moral compass too, because why would this kid, Billy Bathgate, wanna work with Dutch Schultz? Because at one point he beats a guy up in the Emerald Club and he's like aghast by that. What do you think this gangster does? Yeah, yeah. And he ingratiates himself by juggling and
4: <laughs> yeah. eating muffins. Yeah, that was a that was a what, weird what was that setup? It
1: was so arbitrary the way that they Literally. tried to <laughs> insert him into the story. There could have been a way <laughs> more organic way, like he saved him from a bullet. I don't know something. when they were when they
0: when they were he casting, he could be bringing a shirt. Yeah,
4: when they were casting they're probably just like all right what special talents do you have like write it down on the casting sheet and he's like well i can juggle and they're like huh <laughs> interesting <laughs> that would be a way to get into the mo- It's you know the symbolism of juggling two lines you know we could totally do it it works <laughs> it works man but then literally the it, <laughs> you see some juggling it, on the train tracks right i like that kid not, not I I don't a, know right. why. Who I, is he? Exactly. He's just like a, a mesmerized, but it was almost planned. Like he fire he, him on the spot. Like he's like juggling. <laughs> yeah. Juggling got me into this, and then you go to a flashback, and he's like on top of a train, or like right around the train tracks, and it was like a Stand By Me moment, and then he's wandering around, and then he's just like juggling, on an overpass, and they see this mobster's car roll up. And they're like all looking, and he's still juggling because <laughs> that's what he does. He's Mister yeah. Mr. Juggler, and you know they're they're watching the the mobsters do their their thing, and then Dustin Hoffman looks up and is fascinated by this kid juggling, and he's like, "Come on down here, I want to offer you a job." Well, yeah, you know well, what? I, I swear tip. to God, gave him a tip. He first. just gave
0: mm-hmm. him a dollar. Yeah, gave, like wasn't
4: it a twenty?
3: Uh, might have been a ten. I don't uh, know. It was, it was a lot of money. But like, it
4: was a lot of money back was, then.
3: Like, no, the the guy, the kid, got the job later because he realized, like, he hey. bought muffins. It was like, yeah, no, he he came he came to the drop house where everybody goes to drop off the money they collected around. You know, whether they beat people up or you know took it for protection money, whatever. Hmm. They would come drop off the uh, their packages. So he would showed up. With like a brown bag like everybody else, but it turns out it was a brown bag full of baked goods. And then Dustin Hoffman character was like, Oh oh, I love these. And then it was and like he just
1: walks away. Yeah. He's like, these are my favorite. Anyway, back to business. Yeah.
3: This tax that's evasion bullshit.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> and like he he originally got hired just to be like some schlub around the office. Like he was sweeping yeah. the floor. Well, like, what, he, started the off, he started off from the bottom.
4: Where was, like, everybody everybody got to. everybody's got to start as an intern
1: the movie's 107 minutes and at no point during this movie did i find out what billy's ambition was what his drive was what his goals were there was no scene of any of that he he goes well, and visits his mother and he's just like i like this that, oh that's that's a perfect scene. yeah that, that scene i swear to god that scene was cut down it had to have been yeah because he just puts the money down she's like so this is what you're doing? Cut. Yeah, I know there was a longer conversation there.
0: And more Kelly's part probably was a little bigger too because he's he's dating this girl and then he falls for Nicole Kim and there's got to be a push and a pull there. He He's just like I, friends with his girlfriend.
4: No, he just like, pays, it all. It's like that, pays her that, off, that, throws that, the money on that, the, that, the that, floor that, and that, that, leaves like into says, each other. I
3: thought she said it at one point. No, I'm pretty I, sure they were just into each other and they didn't really like Maybe start anything.
0: Maybe someone else was like your little girlfriend. Maybe Dustin Hoffman yeah. said something because he yeah, saw her. Earlier. Maybe. I don't know. No, the, the, well, no, there's the way the, he's,
3: he's only seen her at he, their apartment.
0: Complex. When he's like, here, go get a nice dress because I know you've been wearing the same clothes for 10 straight years. She looks at him like, finally, someone likes me. <laughs> like Right. I don't know. And then he takes Kevin Corrigan off and does something with him. Yeah. I forgot
1: he was in it. Yeah. Um,
0: Very interesting to see him so young.
1: Yeah. This uh this Lauren Dean character though, mm. I gotta tell you, he's talentless. Yeah. Um, it's the reason we never see him in anything else, he's bland. He's beyond bland. Uh, I guess he's like a uh, well-known TV actor, right? He was in Mumford, the Lawrence Kasdan movie. I know he's the he's lead actor. He's in Apollo 13. Past. He's one of the uh, comtech guys. Mm. He's been in a lot of movies I've I've seen, mm. and he must just be window dressing because I never remember him. I think he does the same thing in Space
0: Cowboys because I remember the name of the character. It was one of the guys that's talking to them as they're in space. So I'm pretty sure he's just one of those white bread guys that's under Ed Harris or whoever is actually commanding the mission. You
1: know who'd have been good in this role? A Billy Crudup. Uh
0: huh. Yeah, at that age too. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what he was doing at the
1: time. but Probably drugs.
0: <laughs> Why do you? Like, see- I'm
1: thinking. I'm thinking to myself. I'm like, I'm watching the movie. I'm like. What in his audition got him this role?
0: Yeah.
1: Except that he's completely anonymous. I guess that's what they wanted in the role. But what I saw was they saw him and say anything. He's the asshole boyfriend of uh,
0: what's her face. Not I remember that. Uh, what's the actress' name? I don't remember. Why did I look? Iona sky? sky. Yeah, Iona Sky. Ione yeah. Sky. I
1: mean,
0: um. So I kind of remember him in that because he has that face that you want to punch.
1: Okay. So, <laughs> like he still had it in this yeah um it's weird I feel like Bruce Wolf was still still had a little bit of that uh that smug I'm coasting on my charisma um air to him that he had from like Hudson Hawk and Bonfire of the Vanities because he's just gliding through this thing with this really sly smug look on his face and it was
3: he he really did not sticks out like a sore thumb yeah no i i really honestly feel like he didn't try uh this is the beginning of him
1: sleepwalking through things
0: yeah uh i will say there was one good point that he's just involved with the fact that they set up on the boat that uh dustin hoffman says what was the line um i'm i'm the one you're tied up to that chair and i'm the one standing here who's who's the lucky one no or no everyone. which, 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 which the
3: one now you want to be in yeah and oh, anyway.
0: this, later in the film you see previously he yeah said in a flashback
4: that, he like i
0: got all the money Who, which situation would you want to be in? it's like and you know that moment dustin hoffman actually sells it because you know from previously he's going to murder him so it's kind of like a...
1: i thought um Dustin Hoffman was surprisingly underwhelming in the role. He was more menacing and intimidating as a gangster in confidence.
0: Yeah. Uh, I feel like he pulled from this to do confidence, uh, just improved upon it. I, I liked him because I liked Dustin Hoffman,
1: but right. I just felt like he didn't really know what to do with the character.
0: Yeah. It was keep-
1: it, there was no point at which, like, he should have been, there should have been a point in the movie where he was desperate because yeah. he was on, like, his third appeal. <laughs> At that point, he would gotten off scot-free, squeaked by with the juries twice before, so this was like his last, uh, his last hurrah. So I felt like at this point he should have been desperate. He should have been like, kind of um, <clears throat> like frantic. But he just seems to, he he seems insouciant, just like everybody else in the movie. Yeah, the,
0: there's you, two, there's two points at which I think he needs to seem desperate. The Mike Starr death scene. Uh, he doesn't seem i guess this is regular for him Yeah. so he thinks that it's going to go normally
3: yeah this is probably like probably not his first rodeo like he's probably had like like incremental uh, levels of like having to show up to court for random bogus bullshit so like this was probably like you know the first time he had to deal with this level of a uh, um appeal in in the court but like he's probably just had experience so like he probably he probably isn't like too spooked like well i'm sure there's a, yeah. to what these
0: trials go through i imagine the first one he's not even there the second one he pops in and out this one he has to be there the whole time so that's why they go to the small town so i think if they've shown the incremental desperation you understand how yeah. bad this situation is
3: Right. I only but understand
0: like, because I've seen other movies. But like, if,
3: but if you look at his character, the way he's behaving, like he's not, he's not like anxious or like desperate. Like he's angry and frustrated. Like why is this happening to me? Like I'm a good guy for the most part. Uh, I'm a man of the people. Yeah, I like,
0: get kittens of out of trees. Yeah the only reason you know that he's in trouble is because there's only three people left in his
3: and like group the, and there's a bit surrounding and there's a bit about him like they, they allude in conversation that he's he's a fairly like for a gangster like he's an ordinary kind of guy he's right. dull he's boring like he's just yeah. like um <coughs> so like and he, don't show, and, and like he doesn't seem to be the guy that kind of like looks beyond like helping his crew the way that he should like like, because because they because they also like his big one of his big faults was like he's cheap he doesn't pay his men like as good as they should be paid Hmm. and then like um closer to the end of the movie um like right before they get whacked um otto was like telling the kids like you should have seen him when he was younger in his prime like now he's just like so it's like an old gangster that wasn't really all that great and is mediocre is kind of just meeting his end. I hate to say
0: it because it's Scorsese, but The Irishman shows that sort of thing obviously much better. But that's right, a, yeah. like a, an opus
1: that, again, that movie had way more time afforded to it. So yeah. develop those things, which and I it, think this movie may going. have had. I feel
0: like there was a director's cut. Yeah, there could be a lot on the floor left
1: behind. It feels cliff notes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No. It's uh. It feels like more like typical of like the early '90s where like it's just a lot of exposition to get the story going along.
1: It's weird because like nowadays we bemoan like movies are too long. Like yeah, this yeah. movie could have afforded to be a little bit longer.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I think this is like <laughs> this movie probably should have been a uh, made-for-TV movie at the level it's at. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Did you notice <sighs> Xander Berkeley plays Nicole Kidman's husband? I swear to God, he was dubbed
0: yes the whole time yeah, yeah that, wasn't his that wasn't him when she goes back to her house and first sees him and yeah, he's talking she seems okay but the whole scene seemed ADR a little
1: yeah yeah I was watching his lips didn't sync up I was like that doesn't sound like Xander Berkeley at all doing an accent right he must he have did better
0: it. at the uh, racetrack
1: but he yeah. has two lines there <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he's got like two lines and then he walks away yeah
0: that was a little uh, sweaty too like you think Steve Buscemi is going to come an assassinator in maybe a private box.
1: They're just yeah, um, why would he do it in broad daylight? lately?
0: yeah, and and what are you going to hide w- with flowers? He knows what's up. He knows what's up. She's clearly suicidal. Steve Buscemi doesn't give a shit at that point.
3: That was a contrived set piece.
0: Very sweaty.
3: Mm, yeah. so sweaty. You know what are some other sweaty uh, scenes? When Six Nicole scenes naked. Okay, well Eat you. Still-
1: oh, Jimmy's favorite part. No, well,
3: I mean, I like, I, I, I had to beat you to it because normally you're the guy that, like, you know. Yeah,
1: you know. It's
4: true, do. I was, I was surprised. You threw me for a loop there, James. Ugh. I interjected. I'll uh-huh. All uh-huh. oh, right, the title of the podcast.
3: It's what we do. Yeah,
1: she's she's naked throughout the movie. I thought.
3: Yeah. I felt I like
1: was that
0: was one- really,
3: really they they she was naked the whole time. They just painted uh painted her clothes on on the floor. <laughs> yeah. and uh post production. Yeah.
1: That's where all that money went apparently because when you watch the movie um I can't believe that this thing cost 50 to 70 million because that oh. that um beginning scene where he gets on the boat looks like a backlot set. I kind of doesn't mean
4: like when that- when you when you look at that cast though. Yeah. You know with, with Buscemi and Tucci and Oh, oh, back and then and they didn't kid. have any. Right. Maybe didn't. But the only
1: person that would have got paid that much was Dustin Hoffman back then, because even Bruce Willis wasn't getting that much money.
3: You know, the probably most of the budget was for like you know, the set design, the quote like
4: to, to get the costumes, the era, right?
0: The costumes. It, it was yeah.
4: all the cars too. Yeah. So they probably like they probably couldn't
3: afford to make the the you know the acting or the writing uh, any better wow. the, bu- the budget. Like we kind of just got to get through this. What we got is what we got.
0: As good as he yeah. is, I'm not sure Tom Stopper is the right guy to have taken on this project. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's E.L. Doctorow who did Ragtime. It was his novel. It was also written in 89. So, I don't know if this is like a a poorly nostalgic look back at the 30s from Dr. Rowe's standpoint. Obviously, I assume none of us have read the novel. Yeah.
2: Because I didn't know it
0: existed until last night. No. uh, When I did a little research on this. And Stopper may have liked the novel, but maybe the subject matter is just dull. You know, maybe he couldn't find a way to make it stand out, especially, like I said, with Goodfellas just coming out and being huge. Right. You know? I think Boardwalk Empire captures what this era wanted. Like, what people wanted to recapture, Yeah, is what I should say.
3: Like, gratuitous yeah. amounts of gangster violence, sex... It's hard, and to, clubs, make a, uh, and hard jazz. to make a... In period vehicles.
1: vehicles. Jazz. Yeah, it's, it's hard to do a coming-of-age story inside of a gangster movie, but they... Can,
4: turn, I, can, yeah. I just, can I just rant about, like, one facet of movie making, though? Is when you're trying to make a period piece... Um, you know and you have all of these these rented vehicles that are owned by private owners you never see a dirty car in these old like 1930s oh, yeah. you're right because you're like because they, you know in. they're on rental so they're not gonna like they can't dirty them up or anything so every single car is spotless even the ones like down by the dockyard
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. right
4: still yeah. just a thing
0: the dockyard, remind me, now that you're saying the budget was uh, so high, I'm surprised. The final scene where uh, Warren Dean kind of gets away, he's on pretty much the same dock that he was always getting info.
1: What I'm thinking is, because from what I read from the production, is that Robert Benton, the director, and Dustin Hoffman, who previously worked on uh, Kramer versus Kramer together, great movie, um, were getting into a lot of arguments and was causing a lot of delays. So I don't know if that may have been the cause for other problems, but in terms of period detail, I think Cotton Club went way above and beyond for this. And that, that was a very budget. And yeah. the interesting thing is they brought this originally to Katzenberg to produce. And he's like, the budget's way, or they brought he brought uh Warren Beatty brought Bugsy to him. And he's like, that budget's way too high. 40 million. There's no way we're gonna be able to make that money back. And then this he greenlit this. And this inflated to fifty to seventy million, mm. and that movie's way more re- well respected. Made a killing at the box office, and this tanked, and it was largely yeah. forgotten about.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I think Robert Benton basically disappears after this. He does nobody's fool in three years, and that's really the Bruce Willis has a cameo on that, and uh, isn't it Paul Newman's second to last Oscar nomination?
1: It's probably.
0: It's really just a, an opportunity to get another good Paul Newman movie. I've heard it's fine. Uh, but then he does The Human Stain and The Feast of Love, which are forgettable films in the two thousands. He's he's actually around still, but he's not really done anything
1: since Billy. He Bally. wrote um, him and uh, Robert Russo wrote uh, Ice Harvest.
0: Oh, so he did do one more thing this. Actually... Yeah, he's still.
1: I think he's largely a sc- screenwriter now, so he doesn't direct. Yeah. Maybe he
0: touches up scripts. He's a script doctor or something. You never hear about that sort of thing. So maybe he's just a respected writer now. Mm-hmm. He did help write Superman with the Newmans. And of all people, I didn't know this until last night, Mario Puzo helped write yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the godfather novelist?
1: Yeah, that's why... Um, really? Marlon Brando
0: got him the job, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I if he had any uh, part of Superman that was significant, I don't know how plays out between the four writers but superman's writing is pretty good and i I think he's probably a better writer than a director right not not that that's relevant i mean like (laughs) when
3: you're writing you can focus on one specific aspect of a movie whereas director you got to worry about all things and all aspects of a movie because you're directing it
0: i almost i almost hope wonder what it would have been like if he Had the script, and maybe Tom Stopper took over and improved a draft, and that's why he's the credited screenwriter. Maybe Benton got exhausted from what was going on with Hoffman. No conjecture,
3: but I thought we were supposed to interject.
0: We can do any conjunctions we want. So I know we've been ragging on yeah. it, but I I didn't mind a lot of the film. I yeah, I, I mean, I, I still, as a Dustin Hoffman fan, the, am glad I saw it as as a completist.
3: The the, the movie so, is as mediocre as uh, Dutch. The aggressively game. mediocre, you might say. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. like I mean, he shows sudden, he, like he shows sudden bursts of character and anger and gangsterisms. The character, and so does the movie. So they match.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we had a really lowered expectation yeah. on this. So I, I had
4: no expectations. I think
0: so. it rose above even those.
4: I mean, I, right, I had no expectations. I didn't you know, even know what the, movie what was the about, great, but, like, I was trying to explain it to Jen because I was told we were watching this for the podcast and she was like, "What? What is it? Billy, 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 <laughs> Bath Matt? What is that?
3: Might as well. Billy Bath room. Room. <laughs> yeah. You walked all yeah, over. You know what's great about like, even, even though it was like this movie isn't that great, like we could sit back and just like ah it was just the nineties, whatever. Like we could just shrug it off. <laughs> it was just, just the nineties like, pretending be like, to be like, in the thirties, pretending to be when it came out when we because we were kids. I was full. Uh, like we could just we could distance our disappointment because like yeah. that was the nineties. It was like some some mistake somebody if this
1: made. This came me. out today. Yeah, I've been it like one of those, it'd be one of those Oscar hopefuls where we're just like, Oh god,
0: yeah, what yeah, a waste nice of time. money
3: yeah yeah we probably like ridicule it, rip rip it apart just like yeah. just like shit up yeah,
0: dustin Hoffman could have been doing something quality
3: yeah exactly yeah this was just a paycheck
4: for him this was this was like a hulu original of, or no yeah. sorry not hulu Quibi. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: could, could uh, you imagine like what kids
3: or even us like would think about like the content that's coming out today like just watch it like 20 years from now and you're like wow what the what were we watching back then Well I even
0: think yeah. Corey and I when we first met we would see everything and right. I look back on some things and people just haven't heard of them and I'm like I saw that in the theater and you're acting like it's this weird thing like you're discovering like a hidden gem and that's all Wicker Park Yeah Wicker Park never heard of it Yeah it. fantastic film but no one yeah. even knows who uh see, I'm even forgetting his name Josh Hartnett. Yeah. Josh Hartnett's disappeared. So, like, all these kids that are teenagers now probably don't know who that is.
4: Who's in swim fan and then got typecast? <laughs> Who's
1: in swim fan? I think he's
0: in swim fan. No, wait. Kid, who am uh, I thinking of? The kid from Yellow Dog. <laughs> okay. Or from home. Yeah. Uh, Jesse something.
1: Yes, you're right. Uh,
0: Josh Hartnett's Pearl Harbor. So, people know that, and it's like Ben. The faculty. Yeah, yeah, faculty. So you know, like Josh Hartnett could be the Lauren Dina today. Oh
1: God, he's more talented than Lauren Dina. I thought he was. A, he's, he's, he he's was a
4: zero. Oh yeah, it was Jesse.
0: Branch.
1: And the best partner.
4: It's the dude from Clock Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> 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 That Johnson freak movie.
4: Which is another wonderful gem. It's, is it? We'll talk about one day.
1: That's in the two thousands.
4: Yeah. Is it? Oh, I thought it was 99. Oh, well. It was
0: 2002.
4: Damn.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I was trying to get to that I actually liked this film fine, even um, though I'm, I'm giving it a C. Okay.
1: Because it's
0: not awful.
1: It's just kind of mediocre. I mean, compared to what we had to watch last month? Yeah. <laughs> I mean...
4: I will, I will still stand by my grade for Cool as Ice, but...
2: You give it
4: a C. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, well, no. I think I give it like a C plus, but I don't know. For this this movie, like it was, it was messy, but it had some good performances. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with like a B.
3: Actually, uh, yeah. It's generous. Uh, I, don't uh, uh, do uh, yeah. I don't know if you'll ever give anything. Yeah. I would have given it a B minus, maybe even a B minus minus. Oh, it's like, yeah, it's no, no, a, no, it's just, it's on the cusp of a C. You're too, you're too shy to give it a C. I think um, I mean, it's all right. It's again, mediocre.
1: Yeah. I think I'd probably give it a C minus. It's very malnourished, but I, again, I really think it's because of the editing. I think yeah. there's a lot more material that just got jettisoned for some reason where they were just like, people don't want to sit through this for that long. So they, if, if it's a substance, they'll sit through it. It's fine. If it's going to flesh out the characters, it's fine. But uh,
4: everything maybe, just happens in the maybe movie
1: maybe very, very episodic and arbitrarily. There's no build-up to anything, and there's no... Like Jeff was saying, character development.
4: There's none. You're just supposed to assume that you know who these people are. Right. I, I mean, like... they
0: follow the tropes, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, not really. It's, it's on a basic level there. Yeah. But, like, I don't know why i care about nicole kim and being drug
1: along through don't this care. didn't care about the romance either.
3: i don't think her character cared either like she was just like oh yeah i'm being like gangsters are taking me whatever there's something I there like-
0: about her being suicidal and they don't play into any of that it's you know she said about bruce willis and you said she's kind of a black widow so she's been with other people too right. i didn't even get that so it's um, good to see nicole kimmon in general but like she's given nothing to do when they go out or dean and nicole kimmon to the reservoir and she jumps in and everything that could have been a very poignant moment and it's just kind of stylistically flat
4: right well except for the they, they intercut it with um bruce willis being thrown in the river
1: yeah you know what's weird on top of the what you're saying about nicole kimmon's character at one point, they're having that conversation now that they get out of the movie theater. And she, he goes, uh, but you're, you're Dutch Schultz's girl. And I was thinking, I was like, is she, though? I haven't really seen many scenes with the two of them other than that scene on the boat after Bruce Willis gets killed. It's, they really have no scenes together. It's funny you say that, because I, I didn't know her last name. And he says, go
0: check on Mrs. Powell or whatever her actual last Preston, name. Preston,
1: I think, yeah.
0: Preston, yeah. And I'm like, wait, is his wife with them? and later Otto says yeah we're all married kid we all have girls and i'm like i thought he brought his wife and his girl and he's not even paying attention to his girl so i i was totally confused about that i'm like he really hasn't done anything with her yet
3: no well there's an innuendo when they were on the boat like that's it yeah that's
1: it that's it that's the only scene they have together and then it's the screen too
3: well kind of almost off screen it's like Rachel he's walking, walking down the stairs literally off of the screen walking <laughs> down the stairs and he sees through the slits of the door like That's
1: he, every he, scene with him yeah. there's that one scene where um, he's a peeping talking about killing her and he's standing outside the door and all of a sudden he makes a sound towards the end and and then Steve hill comes out and he's like what was that oh it's nothing <laughs> don't worry about it <laughs> yeah <laughs>
3: It's a peeping tom. The kids are hey, peeping tom. What did
0: you say about Lauren Dean? That he was just always their mouth agape. He's just—he's the watcher. Right. Yeah, hey, he's, oh, he's—he's the watcher.
4: He's, he's supposed, supposed the watcher to be he's the
0: creeper. <laughs> <in> the <laughs> corner. Yeah,
4: he's the the audience. He's supposed to represent the audience, and he's. Let us like, represent ourselves. I really hope the audience isn't that boring. <laughs> but as far as like, let's go on a tour of the CD underbelly of 1935 New York. They
3: really didn't get that seedy. No.
4: no. No. Well, it was technically, they
0: it was a, a touchstone a picture, owner, that was about all which I means
4: it was technically owned by Disney, so they couldn't get as CD. Like, Katzenberg was the producer oh, a on second. this.
1: They showed full frontal nudity in this, though. I know.
4: So it was like, pick a lane, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> man. Like, But it was artfully... Was it though? She had a merkin on, at least I guess.
3: Like, well, well like she like took like takes off her like thing, jumps in, and
1: yeah, it, but she's
3: nude before uh, that also. Yeah, right, you know, yeah, she is. There's a flash cut, but like she's she taking off robe and it cuts. But she's supposed to look look like a 1930s pinup girl. Mm. Not, I mean, she's
1: with a red merkin on. With a yeah.
4: It's just. One bad guy, good guy in a bad situation by his the own. Dumb,
3: choice. I think the kid, he's the kid, the kid wanted to be a gangster. He yeah, by his own choice. So it's one dumb guy in a. I think it's a neutral an guy. situation. An annoying situation. An awkward situation. Yeah, the whole thing felt awkward. That's what it is.
1: He's chaotic, neutral.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm actually surprised nobody's like like. Had decked the kid earlier in the movie. It's like why, why you got to, why you got to be cre- creeping around and listening? Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, that's, that's
3: You're the intern. You're not supposed to act like an intern. Well,
1: when he break. smacks the coffee out of his hand, he's like, "You're always here listening in on business you have no part of." That's about it. <laughs> that's the only time he gets scolded for that.
4: What a yeah. world! Yeah, what a world.
1: <laughs> so there are other movies that came out this month. Um. Believe it or not, Highlander 2 The Quickening. Oh, talk about a movie that has several different edits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jimmy, have you seen this? I,
3: I don't, like, several different edits. I don't know.
1: Okay. Well, there's one edit where they try to give a backstory to the Highlanders, which you don't need. You just need to know they're immortal. Once yeah. they kill each other, they absorb each other's powers like Wendigo kind of. Thing. Yeah. And this, there's a whole uh, flashback sequence to Geist from an they're from an alien planet. Yeah, no. Which this this version, the theatrical version that was released, there's a renegade cut that came out years later, which is the director's cut, which cuts out all of that. But it doesn't cut out all the bad stuff. So the movie's still bad, but not as bad because they go into way too much exposition as to who the Highlanders are, like stuff you don't want to know totally demythologizing the whole franchise so you have one great movie and then everything else after that is garbage
3: i mean there's a tv series i've never seen it it was that's all i've ever watched from from what i remember it's very hazy because i watched it as a very young child yeah i don't know i mean it wasn't that bad but yeah no from what i remember it was like it was all right i enjoyed Trying to watch it as a kid. (laughs) It was
0: always on at the same time as stuff like Hercules and Xena. It was like a USA
1: network show, I think.
0: Yeah. So maybe we would flip around, but it reminded me of the quality of those fine, good actors, but really nothing to write home about. Like every episode was kind of contained. So creature of the week or Highlander of the Week or whatever.
1: It was one of the one of one of his ancestors, one of the McLeods, I think.
0: Yeah. It was fine. The guy who played Highlander in that was good. I like Adrian. Uh,
3: I forget his last name.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, they, t- they, they eventually, uh, because of the TV series, they tie that character yeah. into the movies. So, yeah, like, you see, you see him with Duncan, uh, Duncan McCloud. Yeah. Uh, right? Duncan McCloud?
1: Duncan McCloud, you're right. Yeah. yeah.
3: So, like, the original Highlander and then the. He's in the guy. original
1: Highlander Endgame. Yeah. I always remember Highlander had the Endgame moniker first. Sorry, Avengers. Yeah. Um, Cape Fear came out the uh remake, which is uh, it's good for about two thirds and it gets real campy towards the end. I didn't mind that. You didn't mind that? You like that?
0: Yeah, I like the movie. It's it's pretty. No, the
1: movie's fun, it gets real tongue in cheek towards the end, a little little melodramatic. I didn't realize uh, who's the girl in it it's uh Lillian Lewis. she got nominated for an oscar for that right i didn't realize and
0: then there's this incredible scene where in the basement of their high school where the theater is which is a weird the best theater, scene theater, robert de niro uh kind of stalks her and i've never seen the original but he's playing around with like sentiments how did this adult get into the high school basement she clearly is okay with what's
1: going on but it just real uncomfortable it's like a lolita-esque scene yeah Clearly set up her Oscar, though. Right, I think I I think that was probably the clip that they used. Yeah,
0: maybe maybe set up his Oscar nomination too.
1: Yeah. Um. Kafka, which is a a a biopic by uh, Steven Soderbergh, I've never seen it. Yeah, I've always wanted to see. It's one of those early Soderbergh movies, like King of the Hill, Mm -hmm. that I've always wanted to see. Yeah, but it's uh it's black and white, and um. I think it's Jeremy Irons is in the lead role.
0: I believe so. Yeah. Coming off yeah. of a reversal of fortune.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I'd be really interested in seeing this one day. Yeah,
0: It's about Kafka, the author. Writer.
1: Right? Yeah. Franz Kafka. Yeah. Um, the original Adams Family, the Barry Levinson movie. Hey. A, a beloved classic, I think, nowadays, right?
0: Yeah. Um, Weirdly enough, I wanted to watch it for Halloween this year, not on anything. It was on. Oh, really. I never got around to watching it last year. So on November 1st, they put Adam's Family Values on something, but not the first one.
1: So I like Values a, a smidge better.
0: I've heard a lot of people like that more. Yeah. I, I kind of, The first one's good. I kind of want to see the first one first. No, of course.
1: So. The casting is impeccable. Raul Julia. Yeah. Raul Julia is fantastic. Yeah.
4: yeah. The definitive Gomez Adams right behind John Great. Aston.
1: And, yeah.
0: Angelica Houston perfect casting too mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and christina wow. was born to play
1: uh wednesday
0: wednesday yeah. yeah since i've never seen it i don't have the names in my head
1: um american tale 2 Will goes west
3: hey i i love you mean, you mean just Will goes west
1: five until
3: goes i reach the age of 10 and find out there's a pretty Here's cool
1: first one did you see this first
0: too
3: yeah i saw yeah.
0: it I saw five of those
1: i've seen this one way more than the original yeah full confession i've never seen the first american tale it's yeah. uh it's okay it's an immigrant story but i think this one's better maybe because i like westerns better yeah it's fun yeah rare sequel that actually works uh, john candy is the sidekick right the cat mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. yeah another thing for us to love about oh that. yeah 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 we grew up on John Candy. He's basically John Candy playing animated sidekicks. Yeah.
0: He's like a cat version of Barf.
1: Um. So. Beauty and the Beast, the Disney animated film. Oh, sh- Look, like, What's that? What's that? <laughs> what's that? <laughs> yeah.
0: Nominated for best picture, first thing yeah. to do so.
1: This I yeah, I think this is one of those they
3: really a uh, Crazy stuff, innovative uh, yeah. techniques, yeah. Combining CGI with traditional animation. Oh my, Whoa. yeah. I, I guess so. Well, people didn't see did Rescuers did with, like, Down Under. This was the yeah, one it, it has
4: been done before. It's just, it was you know. welcome to the future, yeah. yeah. It had been done before, but not with Disney money. <laughs> so,
1: well, no, Rescuer Down Under had a few shots, yeah. They did first, oh, yeah. and no one
0: credits them, yeah. They, it's like, yeah, it's that sequel to the boring mouse yeah. movies um well there's
4: no no disney princess that came out of rescuers down under
0: right bianca uh right yeah come on the one thing that i remember about this was that i was frightened to death of the wolves in the beginning so i like hid in my dad's uh like armpit trying to not hear the wolves coming down the lane He
1: scared me when i was a kid
0: scared the death out of me I still have nightmares about like shadow wolves because they're coming out of the shadows. Yeah. Yeah, I
3: just I wish I had that. I just Mm. get just good old-fashioned sleep paralysis. Yeah.
0: Well, that's kind of what I had full-blown
3: demons on
4: my chest going, that was that was like a movie that (laughs) we will be we'll be covering next year.
0: I'm wondering if I actually saw Billy Bathgate as a four-year-old because I used to have this kind of sleep paralysis nightmare as a child where I'm sitting in our den, which kind of faced the front window of the house, and I would be stuck on the couch. And I would see a car pull up, and wolves dressed in gangster clothing would get out and come through the door. My dad's like shaking me, like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I can't tell him that there are gangster wolves.
3: So, I don't
4: think that's a Billy Bath game thing. <laughs> see, I mean, no, my, my, my sleep. Sounds like lost.
1: American Werewolf in love.
4: My sleep paralysis dream no, was I can't move, no, but Steve... I can't move, but I'm tied to a chair and Steve Buscemi's offering me coffee.
0: <laughs> I can't give you a cigarette.
4: Right.
1: <laughs> um, Hearts of Darkness, the, uh, the documentary about the making of Apocalypse Now came out. Mm-hmm. Don't know why it came out this late. Because they finally compiled stuff. Wasn't it
0: his wife that was making it? Yes. So I think they decided now they finally had everyone kind had kind of written it off, kind of became a cult classic because it was infamously troublesome, and right. so there were all these rumors about what had happened on set. Martin Sheen almost dying of dehydration. Oh yeah. And, um, while
1: Brando lose you know, weight and then showing up fatter than ever.
0: Right. So they all these rumors finally they were like, well, we have all this footage. Let's just show what actually happened. Right. And back then, documentaries about films weren't really de rigueur so they finally yeah. decided to you know this is one of the first ones that shows the behind the scenes of the yeah. movie like, even
3: at all like back then like uh, before that like there would be like uh if, if it was like um uh, oh wait no like i guess in the 90s like mid 90s you start seeing more and more like making of before right. a movie would come out but this like, is when the dvd starts getting yeah. made in
0: late 90s yeah. so, so so like this would have been a feature like on, the- like,
3: like on hbo or fox or like right. some random things like <clears throat> tonight on like whatever pick your channel yeah people uh, started getting interest like, there'll be like a sneak preview or a making of and they would show all the special effects and like yeah no this is going to be in the movie check it out it's going to be awesome it's going to look so cool when you see it yeah i guess i guess
0: what would happen is when you go to the movies before the 80s you'd still have uh, a picture and a b picture and sometimes you'd have newsreels back as late as the 40s and 50s and so maybe these making of things were shorts that would happen so you'd see like disney animators at work yeah no, like I, I do and so that would be a part of, of that yeah. so then there was there was nowhere to put this kind of thing so then that's where yeah, no, Hearts of Darkness comes yeah, from. No, the desire to see something like this. No still.
3: full-blown like documentary, right. like, well after the fact. <coughs> like usually uh like the making ofs are like promotional, like it's right is like designed this. to get you energized to see the movie. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Well, here's good. Have you ever I seen it I was gonna say I've never seen it, uh, okay. <laughs> oh, <well>. oh yeah. <laughs> I do well, I see guess it. we'll have to I see. see yeah. Um and then the movie that traumatized the whole childhood scared of bees my girl killed mm. right, yeah. macaulay culkin um i actually liked this movie quite a bit when i was a kid i haven't seen it in a while i don't know i would hold was up that? that was devastating
2: my god he and does Vulcan. have a Death. heart <laughs>
1: here,
4: here. <laughs> it's there it's tiny but it's there i can hear <laughs> you sir um <laughs>
3: That's what she said. So it's like only for
0: bespectacled yeah. blonde kids.
1: But do, do you guys remember seeing this movie? I've, at seen all?
4: It. I've never seen it. No, all the, everything happened. I remember seeing little bits of it and just like, okay, I'm done.
1: And then it was ruined for me as
4: a kid, so I'm like, okay, I don't want to see the. Oh, so you knew about what happened? You, in the color yeah. I had never seen it, but it was ruined for me in adulthood with memes.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Yes, that's true.
1: Um, yeah, they made a sequel. This is years later, and it's like, where they gonna kill Austin O'Brien?
4: <laughs> yeah. Find out what she's allergic to.
0: <laughs> yeah, peanut butter. oh will you know, you
1: know. no. shock after he eats a peanut butter sandwich. <coughs>
4: yeah.
2: Peanut butter sandwiches. Now oh, we well.
1: mm. mm. And now. We're gonna now it's open. time for Poster Boy.
0: <laughs> all right. So let me share my screen. Here you go. Hey, see this you did a
1: good job of cropping that.
0: Oh, thank you. I had to do this twice. Yeah, you know, the first one was even better. I am a little sad because I can see the mess ups here.
1: But
4: you like how you uh,
1: I like the skyline looks good.
4: Now we're easily able to share that screen. Yeah, remember as soon as I logged on.
0: Nice. So why don't you describe the poster for our listeners?
4: All right. Welcome to poster boy. Uh, okay. So the poster that I'm looking at, it's looking pretty great. A quaint looking suburban house at night in the middle of darkness. And above it in the clouds is this ominous giant skull poking out from the clouds. Um other than that, it's complete darkness. The only house lights that are on are the one beneath this skull. No tagline, nothing. So I'm going to give not, you that. Yeah. Well, no, that's fine. But
0: so my question is, what would you think this is about? What would you call this? And even perhaps, what would you give a tagline to this film?
4: Clearly, a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Tagline: There's no place like home.
1: it's a Douglas Cirk drama. More succinct, yes. Imagine
4: home is where the heart is hidden.
0: Oh, I like these taglines better. I actually do is- like his title better. <laughs> just wait until
4: it's just, it's the just the uh, what's that Edgar Allan Poe thing, Telltale Heart? But yeah, <clears throat> in suburbia,
3: mm-hmm.
4: which is actually a better idea, so don't take that.
3: Um, <laughs> <laughs> copyrighted.
0: Well, there's so, not much to go on. Yeah, what would you call so it? With?
4: Am I going with with synopsis or?
0: Yeah, come up with a synopsis. It doesn't really give it away per se just by this.
4: <laughs> it's a Dia de los Muertos movie. <laughs> no, it's a... Uh, been. Someone finds a body in their house and the house possesses the body. And I'm really... I already think I might know what this is. But really? at the same time... I don't. So definitely a horror movie. Definitely involving ghosts. Definitely involving finding a body. Definitely involving a couple of teenagers getting murdered somehow or killed through various events because it's in a suburban household and they look rich. So.
0: Okay. Why don't I give you the tagline? Or would you like to give a title first?
4: Is it Poltergeist? (laughs) No. Okay, good. All right. Poltergeist,
1: 82. Plays, man, eighty-two. yeah no, I don't know. Poltergeist. Oh, what, 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 when was Poltergeist three? That might have been ninety. No. That's true. That could be around.
0: Dead
4: by people. Daylight. No, but, I think a video game. Yeah,
1: that's a good movie. Yeah.
4: Also, that one house is glowing.
1: I'm I do not like sure that. If that I think means anything. Griswold put the focus the lights up. up. Yeah.
4: Okay. Yeah. No. Good. Um. I don't know. Give me, give me a tagline. Yeah, here's your tagline. Skulls over suburbia.
0: Oh, good. I wasn't sure if it would actually... go. There we go.
4: In every neighborhood, there is one house that adults whisper about and children cross the street to avoid. Creepy Neighbor, the movie.
0: Still not going to give you the title.
4: Monster House. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: So the house is possessed. It's just the movie. It's, it's the live-action movie that inspired the animated <laughs> classic monster house
0: well this is actually a macy's day uh, thanksgiving parade gone wrong this is uh Ronald mcdonald's skin has come off his balloon what? and he's now floating over the suburbs why yeah. are
4: we coming up with better movies <laughs> <laughs> like like th- thanks killing too
0: yeah i had to take a lot of this uh director out of the uh rest of the poster his name is all over it so maybe yeah. at least
1: would you be able to guess like a famous what? What director? director would be above the title at this point in time.
4: I mean, is it, is it a John Carpenter movie?
1: That's a good but, guess. But that's Wes, the other Wes, one. Wes Craven.
4: I mean, it is, oh Wes Craven. Yeah. You okay, wait, 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 wait. I mean, yeah, I'm Craven, I the movie. I don't like
3: the, the to me the poster looks giant it's familiar, crazy. but like I can't like yeah, I don't remember.
0: I had never seen it before editing, so
3: definitely. Dude, Okay. I well, has got West Craven vibes too, like to, to me. Like, look at that. Okay.
4: The house is haunted. I feel like this is sort of a, I don't know, maybe a spiritual successor to Psycho. Hmm. Um, where there's just like the house has been dark for years. And suddenly it's like the Willy Wonka factory and it just sort of, the lights come back on one day.
1: Oh, that's a good idea. I love how. He always writes better movies <laughs> than the actual film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is why I like this, doing
4: this. This should just be our brainstorming session.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just give him a poster. He'll come up with the concept. Yeah. Right. That's what we figured out. So all right. There's not much else you can go on.
0: Do you want to try one more no. title and then I'll reveal?
4: Uh Jeepers Creepers. Nope, that's not <laughs> it. <laughs> it was in a that was a scarecrow.
3: Yeah.
4: yeah, I don't know.
0: All right. Here you go. It's Wes Craven's.
4: Right.
3: The people under the stairs.
4: Oh, oh.
3: Yeah, I've never seen this movie. It also so like,
0: like, highlights now Wes Craven, creator mm-hmm. of a nightmare on Elm Street, takes you inside. Like, okay, that's your that could be your tagline. Inside like, of
3: what?
4: Yeah. The Wes
0: Craven movie.
4: Yeah, that's that's how you have to be like, you want to reach that point in your career when you become the tagline.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you don't even need the. Axle. I am like,
0: yeah. the. Wait, so he
4: takes you inside the people under the stairs.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like Fantastic Voyage.
4: So like, <laughs> <laughs> Wes no, Craven's no. The Magic School Bus.
3: <laughs> oh God, could you imagine?
0: Imagine he's Mrs. Frizzle. Um, so what's what's the actual plot of uh, the people under the stairs?
1: Corey. Okay, so the plot is Big <laughs> and uh, I oh. think it's his little nephew are these hoodlums who break into people's houses and steal all their loot. <laughs> they accidentally break into these people's houses, but they don't know that they're um, sadomasochistic, leather-wearing uh, <laughs> dungeon masters who keep mutants and creeps under their stairs. Okay. Hmm. Close, it's, close, Jeff. Close. Yeah, close. <laughs> Missed it by that much. This yeah. is one of those movies that's like Considered by many to be an underrated, underappreciated Wes Craven movie, and I've never understood the appeal. It comes yes. off unintentionally campy. As some of us do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's pretty yeah. underwhelming. It's weird. The one the most celebrated Wes Craven movies I don't like. And the ones that are derided are the ones I really like. Like Vampire in Brooklyn and Shocker. I love those two. Right. And I hate the scream movies. That's rare. That's that's yeah. that's weird. I,
0: I don't. I can understand not liking the sequels, but the yeah. first one's a classic. yeah.
3: For, I guess like for me, like uh, scary. The big appeal for the uh, scream movies because like it's what like what like I I like I grew, I myself and like the kids around me grew up with. Yeah, I
0: mean, like, like, when it came out. Yeah, but like
3: like with like Freddy cougar and like um, yeah, we Jason. All, that was like the eighties. and them. like uh. If you hung around older kids, yeah, that was your introduction to it. But they already like had that when they were like young when that came out. Like yeah. Scream was like kind of like basically our franchise. Mm-hmm. Ghostface. Yeah.
0: I couldn't think of any other nineties horror franchise.
1: Chucky. Right.
0: Leprechaun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, leprechaun. troll. Oh, troll maybe, but troll's not good. Like We
3: have to have our own versions of uh, horror too. We gotta have our shitty uh, movies like the 80s. Scream, to, like, Halloween, Friday the 13th,
4: Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, yeah, well, the, well, yeah,
0: those are, those man, are the big four. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were never going to be able to get exactly what this was from that poster, especially because no. it's not showing like stairs or a dungeon mm-hmm. or anything. So, I knew it was about the suburbs, but that was all you could get from that. Yeah.
1: Version. It's it's like a really fear <clears throat> version of the burbs. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
4: Rear window almost. Uh, nobody's front, watching the front so window.
1: So they're inside the windows. So,
0: well, uh good job, Jeff. Uh, I think Was it though? <laughs> yeah i think so we didn't you know it wasn't too traumatizing for you right
3: no it was um, hit or miss traumatizing for all of us yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No, we'll send so you bill. i i was i mean it's it's a lot easier than it was last month to figure out who we're going to do for picture of the month because knowing his filmography through this decade uh dustin hoffman doesn't have a lot of hits i mean his big thing winning for rain man the oscar just happened so uh I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I don't know if there's anyone better. Stephen Hill, we don't really know. Steve Buscemi is going to have more to do later. Yeah. So I'd say this is Dustin Hoffman's time to shine.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, what, what do you say is your favorite Dustin Hoffman film? Wag the Dog. I'm
4: trying to think off the top. All Mike. the President's Men.
3: That's a good one. That's a good Dead one. Midnight like Cowboy. Yeah, oh, yeah no, you you it's, have seen it? it's a good movie. No, I've I've seen it. Yeah, that's oh, okay, no, a good movie. Yeah, but but I, like, I, that's a good pick. That like that's not my favorite. It yeah. says Tootsie. They're out of here.
0: I might have said Midnight Cowboy.
3: No, no.
1: I... What about American Buffalo?
0: I hate to say a later one, yeah. but know, you no, know, one, one of pick. my favorite films is I Heart Huckabees. This isn't why I love Dustin Hoffman, so maybe I shouldn't pick it. <gasps> oh then, no, no then, no no. If that's the case, I just go with the graduate. It's it's his seminal film. It's what made him famous. It's yeah. his breakout performance. So. Can I
3: change my mind? Straw dogs. I change my mind. Um, um, Straw dogs. No, no,
4: no, 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 uh, no, no. No, no, uh, no. Death of a Salesman.
3: Mm, sci-fi movie. Oh, outbreak.
4: Sphere. Don't um, say um, sphere.
3: sphere. Wait, is, is sphere? he in here? sphere? Sphere, yes, yeah, sphere. That's it. Yes. What? Yes. great. <laughs> yeah, sphere was awesome.
4: He was also an Outbreak.
3: Well, 12-year-old. Yeah, out. thing he great. <laughs> done uh,
4: so many good things.
3: That, that was an 11 year That was
0: 11. one of the first. 10? It came, comes out in 98. So 98? Oh. 11, 11, at least.
4: Yeah. But,
1: um,
3: yeah, no, I was like, I saw that when I was 11. I don't I like it. I think
1: I imitate his performance from Wag the Dog almost on a semi-daily basis.
3: Yeah? Yeah.
1: I, I need to I'm some alone, time. sometimes I quote dialogue from that in my head. Mom and I agree that Sphere was one of the worst things we ever rinsed. It's horrible. Into. It's horrible. Eat, I can't believe you picked that. Eat shit.
0: Eat so shit. The novel. Die. The novel's not much better. My dad famously would always bring up how he likes all these other Michael Crichton books, but he picked up Sphere mm-hmm. one time. He's halfway through and he's like, "Fuck, I've read this already." <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good material
3: to begin. It's with not. You're allowed to like it. He's, it's a great cast. Okay. Yeah. You know what?
4: Okay. The source material I'm gonna, is still. i'm
3: gonna re-watch it and i'll see if it like holds up for myself it's i don't care about a
0: podcast at some like it. point it's coming up in seven years
3: wait no should should i just watch it on my own yeah. for the next podcast we'll see if
0: you for get in years <laughs> we have two weeks till the next recording so uh, well, we get watch. to we get to
4: talk about another movie that traumatized me next year
0: yeah Ooh. actually he is you know what burn he is? gully
1: <laughs> oh <laughs>
0: Oh, and then
3: Sabretooth is in it.
0: What, Lee Schreiber? Yeah. In Sphere?
3: He's in Sphere. Really? He dies a good death. In the beginning? I well, only... part, part of the fun is watching people die. I only remember right. Samuel Jackson. Sphere is like not far
1: adrift from Event Horizon where it's a good potential. ride real fast. Yeah. yeah, Event Horizon looked like it was going to be great. Yeah, and it was horrible too. Yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, you know, Sam Neill's in it. Like... And
1: Lawrence Fishburne.
3: Well, Lawrence Fishburne wasn't like big when I was well to me at least because yeah, I didn't we know, know
1: stuff.
0: I didn't
3: know stuff that he was in. he
1: was doing a lot of horror movies back then. Yeah. yeah, right of the
0: late '90s, like right before Matrix. Sam Neill's Jurassic Park. Like it was just easy. Was just like, oh
1: man, Sam Neil's in the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, that Sam Neill is Merlin. That comes out in what, '90s. Yeah, he is Merlin. TV's Merlin.
0: Yeah. No, 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 no. He is. Where'd you get that from? He's
3: he's the it he's was in the TV, TV series Merlin. Merlin. Oh, oh! Can somebody okay, cast we're... him as Mer- Merlin because he's an old man now, so he he's... could fit the role He did perfectly. that
0: sequel. We've, we've diverted that. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> we clearly didn't. We're going we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go
3: down deep in the ocean, find a spear, and think real hard about this, and it'll come true. I know we're. That's part of the plot.
0: We're gonna talk about Sam Neill in a couple months, so we can do it then.
3: I want to talk about it now.
0: We'll we'll get there.
3: Dr. Alan Grant, and he's Merlin. <laughs> Patience, Diago. And he makes wine.
1: He does make wine. I've been searching for this wine for I'll tell you months. what, we'll make a deal. When Spear comes up on the podcast, we'll devote the whole episode to it for Jimmy's. Jimmy can be sure. point
3: man on that.
0: Uh, there
1: better not be anything better in 98. No, <laughs> we're going with Spear now.
3: All okay. right. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> guess we're coming back to Dustin Hoffman.
3: Eight years This is later. what I was talking
0: about, that it wasn't a good decade for him. So uh, looks like we've uh, gone through Billy Bathgate and uh, come out the other mm-hmm. end <laughs> better for it.
3: Yeah, we came out the other. We way. went through the bathgate.
1: I'm,
0: uh, <laughs> I'm excited. I'll clean the
1: other side.
0: Next month we're uh, covering our our titular film.
3: What about the tits? The movie. Is it more more uh, appropriate. The tits.
0: Yeah. The movie that uh, dictated what our podcast was going to oh, be we're gonna called. Be dicks jesus can i get through a fucking sentence yeah the, uh, the star trek sequel the undiscovered country is where we got the undiscovered decade so uh, i'm finally happy we're going to be talking about this
3: oh, we're going to see so. a trekking movie
0: yeah this is why i've been showing you all these star trek movies
3: you haven't shown me anything yet that's because right? you've, been you've been telling been, me it's because you've been sleeping I've been, like i haven't like i haven't been taking his threats seriously yeah.
0: i'm holding knives over his bed
3: yeah <laughs> Oh, I've never He'll been like You'll like it.
0: Threatening them with uh although I
3: did like Deep Space Nine World's Kid, yeah. And next general. Then
0: you'll like this. There's Klingons, maybe. Maybe uh, that might be Funnel Frontier. I never saw that
1: one either. There's David Bowie's wife.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In which one? In Undiscovered Country?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. Christopher Plummer. Shapeshifter. Very excited and David Warner.
0: Christy Plums. Oh, nice. I'm Plums very, I'm very excited about this. Uh, so yeah, remember to rate, review, subscribe to our uh, podcast on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, uh, wherever Only else fans. I eventually get this on. <laughs> We're not on OnlyFans
1: yet. Jimmy's trying to get there with all these nude scenes. <clears throat> We're gonna reenact them. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, that's yeah, gonna be great. Wait till wait till we get to Silence of the Lambs and I do Buffalo Bill.
1: We've already passed
4: it. Yeah, we already talked he's about still him. He's still going to do it, though. He'll, <laughs> find a way to, he'll find a way to sneak it March in. He'll just go March. off camera and then come back in.
3: We're in February. Oh, February.
4: Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, at least I'm bringing it up in 91 because we're, we're probably going to bring it up for the best of. Yeah.
0: So. All right. We'll see you next month. <laughs>